And we'll conclude in verse 43. And then I want to back up just a little bit uh, because of what I sense the Lord leading us to do. I want my intercessors praying as we are on assignment this morning. I believe that God's going to do something amazing. Amen. Uh, in our midst. I want you to put on the anointing. Here begins the reading of God's holy. Thank you, Mother Williams. An eternal word. Acts chapter 10, verse number 34. And it reads as follows. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee. After the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses. Can I have a witness this morning? Of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day <laughs> and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God. Even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of his sins. This comes from lectionary scriptures for today. I want to hone in on verse number 39. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. I'm going to ask if you would very quickly just locate with me Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. And then I have one more scripture, and I'm just going to flow out of it. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. And I want us to look at... <clears throat> Verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat amongst them. And a certain servant girl seeing him, he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. 
And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then about after an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was also with him. For he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter and said, and Peter remembered the word which he had said before the crop, crop crows. You will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Last scripture. I'm going to bring it all together like gumbo. Last scripture. Psalm 55. Psalm 55. And if you know how much I love gumbo, I'm going to put this together. Psalm 55. Psalm 55. If you listen and you can make it, nail it to the church. I'll let you know if it's good. Psalm 55. Verses 12 through 14. I, got, I know I've got you doing a lot of turning. Just stay with me. Just listen if you can't turn. Psalm 55. I'm on the side. Verse 12. For what is not an enemy who reproaches me? Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, my faithful friend. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of the God in the throng. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my faithful friend. Luke 22, Peter actively denies the Lord. Acts chapter 10, Peter preaches about the Lord. I want to talk for a few minutes from the subject this Easter Sunday, the aftermath of betrayal. The aftermath of betrayal. The aftermath of betrayal. If you've ever been betrayed, this word is for you. And if you've ever been the betrayer, this word is for you. Father, we thank you for what you're saying to us today. Open the eyes of our understanding. Give us an ear to hear what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. The aftermath of betrayal. Thank you, baby. George Washington is heralded in the corridors of history because after the Continental Congress, he is celebrated as being the first. There is always something significant about the first of anything. We had never had to need to know if we ever needed a need, if we ever had a need for a president prior to his arrival. He stood, as the book of 1 Samuel describes of Saul, head and shoulders above all those who were his fellow soldiers. He went from being a general to being the first president of the United States of America. Although some would argue 
that these United States today are now the divided states of America. It is President George Washington who begins his presidential tenure and as he leads from an unknown future utters the words of this quote that I discovered at the Smithsonian Institute, Brother Ronald, 15 years ago as a student diplomat politically. And he says these words, be courteous to all, but intimate with few, and let those few be well tried before giving them your confidence. If you ever known me for ever any period of time, you have heard this quote before. Be courteous to all, but intimate with few. And let those few be well tried before giving them your confidence. I must confess that I have not looked up to this quote because one of the challenges when you get to know people is that you oftentimes give too much too soon, too fast. We oftentimes get wise too late. And we often end up saying to ourselves, if we could do it all over again, we would not have given so much of ourselves for so little in return. But then I think about not just George Washington, but I also think about one of the martyrs of the modern day civil rights movement 50 years ago, the late and great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. I must confess to you this morning, church, that there were times in my life when I was baffled away, not by the noise of my enemies, but by the silence of those who said nothing. Times in which when I would defend for others, I found no one there to defend for me. Brothers and sisters, saints and friends, I want to invite your attention to the book of Acts this morning. Because oftentimes when it comes to resurrection season, we emphasize who is known as the betrayer. But I want to back up a little bit in the text if I can. And then I want us to look at the conversations around the first communion table. Yes. Because around the first communion table, Jesus so eloquently looks around at his disciples. The one beloved close to him as one of mine are laid by his chest. And he looks at his disciples and says, one of you <laughs> shall betray me. It's interesting that they all say, Lord, is it I? I've always been baffled by why they all say, Lord, is it I? And I've discovered the reason why they act is because they all were empowered to do it. Lord, 
is it I? And if we're really honest, we all have betrayed him. Mm. We betrayed him when our desires exceeded his desires for us. We betrayed him when we wanted something more than we wanted him. We betrayed him when we desired to do things outside of him. Lord, is it Judas Iscariot runs, dips his bread, runs out the room to go off and fulfill his purpose. It baffles me that when Jesus, throughout the gospel, shares what he has to suffer, it is Peter that is always trying to talk him out of the pain. I'm going somewhere. And our society today embraces this hedonistic tendency. What is hedonism? Hedonism is the propensity to want pleasure but to avoid pain. So we all want to be comfortable and we want to be happy, but we don't want to go through anything. But I submit to you this morning, the greater your calling, the greater your gifting, the greater you must open yourself up for pain. If you want to grow your capacity for purpose, you must grow your capacity for pain. Because pain is always a catalyst for purpose. Which is why Jesus said, notice here, come in, let's go a little deeper. Jesus looks at Peter, and when Peter hears him say that he has to die and give him up of himself, he looks at Peter and calls Peter a devil, but he calls Judas a friend. How is it that he calls Judas a friend? Because Judas is one that's a sign to push him into purpose. There is a necessity of an enemy. Wow. Good. Because only an enemy can catapult you into the purposes of God. David, with a broken heart, begins to write with his pen and say, it was not my enemies who betrayed me. It was not those whom I've been around for years that betrayed me. But it was my familiar friend. It was the one that I worshipped with that had lifted hands with me, that had one hand lifted and another with a sword to me. He says, my, my familiar friend, we, we worship together. But I, David realizes that the ones that hurt him the most were the ones that were closest wow. to him. Come on. Mm. Come on. It wasn't his enemy mm. that took him. Wow. It was the silence of his friends. When you study... 50 years ago, I was blessed to go to the King's Center and meet Dr. King's sister. My uncle, my great uncle, marched with him. And it was amazing because while today we celebrate him 50 years ago, it was the preachers that criticized him the worst. Come on. Mm. Many did not stand with him. As a matter of fact, the denomination he was in split because of his stand. They were all a part of the National Baptist Convention, but after uh, the emergence of this next generation of civil rights guys, they began to fight in the hall and they split until the Progressive National Convention. They had to split because the others would not recognize the times 
and what to do. And he says, King says, it's not my enemies, but the silence of my friends. I, I've watched, I've watched over the years, watched in the battles of my life seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Can my character be assassinated? People be silent. Have you ever been in a room full of people and felt all by yourself? Have you ever been around people and yet at the same time felt as if nobody understood you and nobody got you? Have you ever been in a moment in your life in which people see you but you still don't feel seen? And that is what happens in this text we're introduced to Peter, on the other side of the cross in Acts chapter 10, preaching after he receives a vision that God is going to pour his spirit out on people who don't look like him, act like him, talk like him, or smell like him. And he now has a deeper revelation of who God is because God breaks the mold of his stereotypes. Wow. Wow. And it is in this moment that we see Peter rise up to be a voice to a church in its embryonic stage. But I want to back up into the future. I want to go before the cross and look at Peter in the moment of crisis. Why is it that in the moment of crisis, when Jesus is stretched wide and hung high, you don't see the woman with the issue of blood by the cross. Yes. You don't see Lazarus by the cross. You don't see any other 5,000 by the cross. As a matter of fact, if the 5,000 had come to the crucifixion, it might have turned into a flesh mob. You don't see any of those he healed. He delivered. He set free. They got what they needed and they left him. And somebody hearing me this morning, so many people have taken and withdrawn from you and they've left nothing there and now you're home in part in a pandemic and in quarantine feeling by yourself. But God sent me to tell you today, you're not alone. It 
is both a discharge of duty and it is the destination that will happen when who comes first to the tomb? A woman to behold the Son. It is in this moment that we're able to get a clearer picture of what's to come. But standing around there was John and not Peter. I want to argue this morning that we should not just call Judas the betrayer. We should call Peter one as well. Because, as Dr. King said, it was not the noise of his enemies. But Luke's Gospel chapter 22 shows us the silence. Mm. of his friends. Do you know him? I don't know him. You look familiar. You look like you followed the prophet from Galilee. I don't know him. Mm. You sure you don't look familiar like one of those disciples who was with Jesus? Weren't you one of the top three that he chose? Weren't you the first number on speed down that he texted? Weren't you the first one that he knew? Weren't you the first one he could reach out to? I don't know him. It's amazing how we don't know when it gets inconvenient. But I hear what I'm saying. Come on. He says, I don't know him. Ah. <laughs> come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. Let's go a step deeper. It says, it says in Acts chapter 10, Peter now opens his mouth <laughs> and says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In truth, I perceive that word is. Propeplus, it, it means prolepsis, it means a receiver of faith, one that does not show size. Peter can testify that God doesn't show size because if he had shown size, Peter was on the bad side. But yet he could say, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Why? Because he'll take a messy one like me who denied him and move me from being a denier to being a deliverer. He'll take one that didn't look the part. Wow. And shift them into what he's promised them to be. I got a question for you. Who traded your trust? Mm. Who traded your trust? I'm almost finished. Who traded your trust? Mm. Notice, notice he says, says in verse number 37, that word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea. And began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Spirit and with power. With the Spirit and with power. This word power there is the same word in the Greek that is tied to Acts chapter 4 verse 33. This word power there is the same word from Acts chapter 4 33 that also coincides with Acts chapter 1 verse number 8. Which says, uh, uh, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, and what, uh, you shall receive power. That word power there, there are multiple definitions in the scriptures. But that word power there speaks of dunamis. It speaks of dynamite. It also speaks of a dynasty. God is establishing his government in the earth. And the ones who are to carry it are the ones who left. Wow. Wow. Mm. But this one. After now being infused by the Spirit of God, mm. is able to look at his former self 
in his former state and see the miraculous hand of God. He says, God, I know that Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, but what about doing good? And healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Notice he did not just go around doing good. It was not just humanitarian. Right. It was also healing those who were oppressed by the devil. Why does the scripture say that? Because there were many who had come under demonic influences. And therefore the power of the Holy Ghost was to break cycles. It was to break strongholds. It was to bring deliverance. That's why the preaching of the word accompanies demonstration. Real preaching is proclamation and demonstration. That's why we don't see transformation in America. Because we have a whole lot of powerless for preaching a powerless word. Because they have not received the power of the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget, my wife and I first got married, we went to go see one of her friends uh, who serves her, uh, some of her needs uh, as, a, as a beautician, and we went to go see one of her friends, we walked in to the place, and she hugged her friend, uh, pre-pandemic, she hugged her friend, and I hugged her friend because I was there with her, and we went to go sit down, we went to go sit down, and she's still standing there, we're trying to figure out, and she looks and she says, wow, she says, your husband, I don't know what that was just now. Uh, she was a Buddhist, I believe, and she said, uh, 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 your husband hugged me. I felt this energy. Come on. She said, something just shocked me. I don't know what it was. Something just shocked me. I said, oh, that's the Holy Ghost. I didn't know uh, that something had happened to her, but when people encounter the real power of God, I'm not talking about the play power of God. I'm not talking about the filtered Instagram, Snapchat power of God. I'm talking about when people encounter the real power of God. They know it by their face. They know a true oracle from God. I'm telling you right now, while I'm preaching to you right now, the wind of God is hitting your house because of an anointed vessel preaching to you. And when an anointing preaches to you, it produces something. If nothing's being produced, check the sauce. Come on. And he says to them, he did not just come. He did not just come with the spirit, but with power. Where is the power? Power. Mm. Judges chapter 6 and 7, we find Gideon. And Gideon, uh, in the book of Judges, you'll find Gideon is asking when, when God, when the angel of the Lord looks at him and says, you mighty man of God, I'm talking about it in my new book that's getting ready to come out. And he says to him, he says, where are all the miracles they promised? Why is it that I'm not seeing what scripture says I should see? Why is it that we're more coming to services in a pre-pandemic, now post-pandemic world? We were coming for primarily entertainment and to put our phones out, but not to encounter God. Is it possible that this reset was for us to reintroduce ourselves to the living God? says says he's preaching peace that he is Lord of all who went about doing good humanitarian and healing all those 
who were healed by, who were oppressed by the devil. We like the healing part, the humanitarian part. We like the doing good part. But it is not just humanitarian works that gets it done. He said, and he healed all those who were oppressed by the devil. I believe in counseling. My life does counseling. I believe in counseling. Counseling is very important. We need counselors, but we also need those who can cast out. Some stuff ought not be. Some things that have tried to hold you and yoke you down has to be destroyed under the anointing. The anointing, the old saints would say, breaks the yoke. Yes. He says here, for God was with him. Got a question for you this morning, church? Is he with you? Does he walk with you? We used to sing a song and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me how I am. His own and the joy we share and tarry there none other has ever known. I'm closing. Wow. Says, and we are witnesses. That word is a legal term. If you're a watcher of suits or any legal shows that are going on and they call a witness to the stand. We know it as a legal term. They knew it as a dying term because to be a witness in first century means to be a martyr. They would die for what they believed and notice they said we have died with him. Why? Because I've died to myself. I have to have, a, have to take a death to my own selfie. So I can understand Jesus as the selfie of God the Father. Says, says, I'm almost there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me. I'm almost there. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things that he did uh, in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on the tree. This is where I want to go. So, so the one who came healing and doing good is the one that they killed on the tree. The one who was healing, saving, delivering, setting free is the one that they wanted sentenced to death. Here's the bridge of this message. Notice what he says here. Him God raised up on the third day and showed and showed him openly. Him God raised up. So what does God do? God is God enough that he can love the betrayed and the betrayer. So the aftermath of betrayal is forgiveness. The aftermath of betrayal is forgiveness. But hear me, forgiveness then is the gift you give yourself. It is not the absence of memory, but memory without vengeance. And notice, in order to be betrayed, there must be access and trust. But notice what happens here as I close this message. Notice, he says here, God raised him up on the third day. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the living and the dead. And we witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. So what is he saying? What he's saying is the grace is available for those who tried to kill.
which means that when we call on his name, he wipes the slate clean. And I want to submit to you today, since the aftermath of betrayal is forgiveness, I want you right now to stop keeping score and allow God to bring healing and wholeness and deliverance in your life. Stop keeping score and allow God to bring transformation. Stop keeping score and turn those wounds into worship. So I close, prophetically as I close, I want to tell somebody this morning, if you've been betrayed or if you were the betrayer, grace is available. Yes. And the Bible says that while Peter was speaking these things, the Spirit fell on those who heard the word. And as I preach this word to you right now, whatever person's images come before you, I want you right now to lift those things up to God. Stay with me. I want you to lift that thing up to God. Whether it's an ex, they haven't left your heart because the hole is so deep. Whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship, whether you are the one that was wrongly accused, I'm not saying that this brings reconciliation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that you are now being able to live without the haunting and the humiliation and the frustration of what was done to you. Grace is available. Right now as your hearts are lifted, right now as your hands are lifted to God, wherever you are, I'm telling you, the aftermath of betrayal is forgiveness. Jesus himself said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Pick it up. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know that they're being used to push me into purpose. You're not just going through, you're growing through. Yeah. And just as the tabernacle has an outer court and inner court and a holy of holies, so you must do with your life. Everyone cannot have access to the corridors of your heart prematurely. It's not walking in fear, it's using wisdom. We hug it on a tree. Saturday night, yeah. but early Sunday morning, yeah. he got it up 
wounded, but you gotta get up. Broken, but you gotta get up. Hurting, but you gotta get up. Wounded, but you gotta get up. Watch God pick you back up again. Matter what you go through. I don't care if some of you is a family member. I'm not saying you gotta sit next to each other at a reunion. What I'm saying to you is free yourself to love again. Free yourself to trust again. The aftermath of betrayal. What is the aftermath? Is loving the people who put you on the tree. Wow. The aftermath of betrayal is letting the Peter and the Judas sit at your table. Knowing because you're not just man, you're God, knowing what they're going to do. And loving them enough into it. I got a word for somebody. Kids, bear with me for this one. Some folk, you got to just love the hell out of them. Betrayal. Peter, the denier, becomes Peter, the deliverer. Saul of Tarsus <laughs> was on the wrong street, but this day he got on straight street. <laughs> I feel like this thing is going. And as he's going down straight street, he has an encounter with God. And he hears a voice from heaven saying, Saul, why did you persecute me? Wait a minute, God, you mean to tell me that when I'm persecuted, it's not me being attacked, it's you being attacked in me? Why do you persecute me? So you take it personal. Thank you, baby. You take it personal. You take it personal. And he changes him from soul of Tarsus to Paul that we know. If you've been betrayed or the betrayer, your story doesn't have to end that way. He died for you. He rose again for you. Because he lives, you too can live the aftermath, the aftermath of betrayal. It's a different Easter message this year, but I trust the Lord that this is what he told me to say. Healing is available for you. Father, in the name of Jesus. We sent this word out. You sent your word and you healed them. Of all their infirmities. Whether they've been betrayed or they were the betrayer. Thank you for fresh grace in this hour and in this season. We thank you for it now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name.
we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're not saved today, we offer Christ to you. We offer Christ to you. If you're not saved, I see so many of you saying you need this word. If you're not saved, we offer Christ to you. Listen, confess with your mouth. Lord, I betrayed you. I wanted things more than I wanted you. I wanted my job more than I wanted you. I wanted my money more than I wanted you. That's why I didn't give it to you in the first place. Give it to God. Tithing in Scripture is not optional. We make things optional today because we don't want to obey. Give it to God. Give it to God. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and you are saved. Listen, discipleship is a journey. Salvation is a process. Spiritual, psychological, and behavioral. It takes time. Right now, I want you to go and log in our website. Send, me a, send us a message to our team, to our staff. Send us a message. We will contact you to pray with you, to offer resources to you, to disciple you. If you're connected to this ministry and you want to be a part of this house, uh, we are opening our doors. The doors of the church usually have already been open. We have been closed physically for right now, but the work of God continues. Go on our website and connect with each church membership, all of that. You're part of this house, you're worshiping tied to this house. We want to connect with you. We open ourselves to you in honor as your digital bishop, your pastor, your shepherd, those at home and abroad. We offer Christ to you. Come to Jesus. You write down our website, globalfinenow.com. First page, you can click. Just give my life to Christ. Just click it. We made it available. I want to draw closer. I want to receive insights. I want to receive things. Come. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. If that's you, just slip your hand right now. Just put your hand emojis right there. Bishop, that's me. That's me. I want to give my life over to the Lord. And we're watching. We're watching. We're watching. We're watching. We're watching. We're watching. That's me. I want to see you. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's an unusual resurrection message, unusual season we're living in, but God is doing something afresh. He's doing something afresh. He's doing something afresh. The book of Malachi chapter 3, as we get ready to give, verse number 8, Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me, for you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithe and in offering? You have cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring me all the tithe into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house and prove me now. He will say of the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Luke 6:38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, good measure, press down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom.